This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Shut up and sit down. Our weekly hockey podcast with Brian Metzer, the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Tim Benz along with you here on a Tuesday in advance of the Christmas holiday. Mets can be heard on 105.9 The X. Check out Brian Metzer with Paul Steigerwald on Penn's Live Weekly. You can listen to him during intermission on Penguins games, and you can listen to him post-game as well. And Mets, I will start with the obvious question, why did John Hines feel the need to play Grinch during the holiday season last night and not play Marc-Andre Fleury for the Minnesota Wild? Yeah, he certainly brought a lump of coal for all of the flower-adoring people in Pittsburgh because they were hoping to see Marc-Andre get the start in what could be his final visit to Pittsburgh, Tim. I'm not sure that I am fully bought in on believing it's his, his final visit. There are some people that obviously feel that way, but I feel like it's been about three years in the making that we've heard each time that the Wild come through, that, or if it was the Wild or the Vegas Golden Knights or even Chicago, that this was his final trip to Pittsburgh. This very well may have been it, and it did stink to not be able to see him perform. And I don't think I've ever heard the crowd chant for a backup goaltender until last night. Uh, after each goal that went in past Gustafson. Well, backup goaltender for the other team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're calling. I should have prefaced it by saying that. But yeah, it was kind of a neat moment to see well, that Have happening. it not be jeering in any way. Like, you know, I think maybe we've heard that like when uh, <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist didn't make a start against the Penguins or like a well-known goalie who had been slumping and was benched. Like in a mocking yeah, way, yeah. maybe I've heard it, but never in an adoring way like we literally want to see this guy play yeah and they were literally calling like a we want flurry <laughs> yeah it after every funny. goal every time yeah. Gustafson gave up a goal you heard it again and actually Mets, I think if you heard his post-game comments Gustafson said it was a little awkward that was the word he used well and it probably you know, it puts him in a bad spot he's just going out and trying to do his job now everybody is saying that the Wild is just concerned with getting wins now, and this isn't a knock on Mark Andre, but so much is like their regular goaltending rotation. It was laid out. I guess that John Hines, when he made the schedule, wasn't considering that, wow, maybe this is Mark Andre Fleury's final visit to Pittsburgh. I don't know how he couldn't have known that. He was in the Penguins organization. He knows how revered he is here in Pittsburgh. Uh, was around when the flower was, but he decided to come out. And you know what? The way John Hines looks, more than the Grinch him. He went for the old Lex Luthor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like Gene Hackman style. Yes. Yeah, he, he definitely has that uh, that supervillain look to him. And he, it was in full effect last night. And I guess at least the Penguins, if they were going to win, they didn't have to beat their old friend Marc-Andre Fleury. And they got the win just over a goaltender that they wish was still in their organization in Philip Gustafson. You know what? I actually think it's more of a diss on the Penguins than it is on Marc-Andre Fleury. The way I took it was they wanted to play Gustafson against the Pens 
because they wanted their best chance to secure two points, and they felt like start the number one against the team we're more likely to beat, and then if we yeah. <laughs> stumble into a win against Boston with Flurry, great, so be it. That, that's kind of what it looks like, right? I mean, the you know the Penguins are used to always being the team that would have been in the Bruins' shoes, and now more times than not, they are getting the backup goaltender because they are the perceived easier game. I understand where Hines is coming from, and I'm never going to tell an opposing coach what is best for his team. But to get to your point, Mets, I think it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other. Like maybe you start the guy who's been your better goaltender and that has been Gustafson. Maybe you play him against the better team and give your chance yourself a chance to win there. But they are scrounging for every point. They had been yep. playing better lately. They had been playing pretty well under him and Gustafson had been really good, allowing just three goals over the previous three games, winning two games in shootout fashion. So, yeah, props to him. And I, I guess in the long run, props to the Penguins for playing as well as they did for the first two-plus periods anyway. And then they gave away <laughs> the lead. And after charging out to a 3 nothing advantage where everybody was was chanting for Flurry, next thing you knew it was 3-3 three to three and Crosby had to put on the cape again. And he's been putting that cape on an awful lot lately, hasn't he, Tim? I mean, Sidney Crosby has certainly led the way for this team right up among the league leaders and goals. Uh, he still has a little bit of a climb if he wants to get into the scoring race. But overall, thank God for the captain, because as you just mentioned, they blew the 3 nothing lead. And whenever Evgeny Malkin scored to make it 3 nothing, that is when I thought for sure we were going to maybe see Marc-Andre Fleury because it seemed like another goal was inevitable, that the Penguins would get the fourth one within mere moments. They'd make the change. Flurry would ride in, maybe save the day for the Wild, or go down the Biffy bag and lose to his former team. But that wasn't the case. The Wild, man, they, they are starting to play some good hockey, as you just mentioned. And certain guys on that team, I mean, Kirill Kaprizov was all over the place. Matt Boldy is a guy that I would absolutely love to have on one of the Penguins' top six wings. He's just that good. He goes to the net. He's a, a you know one of those bull-in-a-china shop type players. And uh, they they were certainly coming, and the Penguins had to weather a storm, and I'm happy they got the win because it was a much-needed one for them. But the uh, Minnesota Wild, I think, under John Hines, are certainly a, a new-look uh, team and look like they could be back to you know being in the hunt for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not convinced, like you are, Mets, that Fleury is definitely retiring at the end of this year. I don't think he really knows one way or another yet. I think he knows yeah. it's a prospect or a possibility. I also don't know 100% that he's going to be on the wild by the end of the season. You know, if they get to the point by the trade deadline where they're not in it or they don't think they have a playoff run in them, they could trade him for some valuable assets for a team that needs another goaltender. And who knows, he might actually come east. Maybe that's something that Flurry doesn't want. I'm not exactly sure what his no-movement clause or status is with Minnesota, but he has seemed to want to play west in part perhaps because he doesn't want to play against the Penguins very often, but he's been with Vegas, Chicago, and with the Wild since he left Pittsburgh. So I don't rule it out entirely that he could be back even again this year. Maybe he comes back as a Penguin for all we know. But then again, Jari's locked up now, and Nadalkovich is uh, continuing to, while he has some slippery spots in games, continuing to impress as the number two. Yeah, he's been really good, Tim. I, I was impressed with him again last night, even though... I didn't like that he looked over his shoulder one too many times for my liking. He didn't know where the puck was a couple times, but he still was able to get it done again, and he's he's been very impressive. So they finally have a backup goaltender that looks like he could be locked and loaded in the role, 
That being said, Nedeljkovic on a one-year deal, Marc-Andre Fleury on a one-year deal, if he gets the chance to maybe come and play as a backup goaltender in somewhere like Pittsburgh, he might consider it. Uh, and I think if a contender comes calling and says, hey, you know, we'll sign you, you're going to get some starts, you have a chance to win, I think he would consider that as well. But um, to your original point, I, 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 you know, I think we're definitely in, in agreement there, Tim. I, I'm not convinced he's done. These guys, they don't go quietly into the night, especially when they're still able to play at a fairly high level. And I think that Marc-Andre Fleury, while he's dipped a bit, he still looked pretty good at times this year, even when he's gotten those starts. So I fully believe that he will be somebody that someone will come calling for. We've seen guys named Mike Smith and beyond play into their early 40s. Why can't a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who's in such fine condition, he's uh, one of the best athletes at the goaltending position in the league. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him hang around for another couple seasons and continue to climb up that wins list. He's just a handful of wins away from getting the number two overall spot in victories. He has a long, long road if he wants to try and go after number one. I don't think he'll ever be able to get there, but there's no reason he can't continue to, to still play some games and give contending teams a chance at having a pretty effective backup goaltender. Brian Metzger with us, and he was diplomatic about it, Metz, when I talked to him after the game yesterday. He wasn't put off by not playing. That said, I also think maybe to a certain degree, you know, he wanted it. Uh, there were some that were speculating that he didn't want it, he just didn't want the hype attention hoopla, but I think especially once he was there and at the rink and saw everybody around, it felt weird then to not play. Um, I thought it was pretty funny when some of the videos started to surface of him in warm-ups. Uh, I don't know if you saw the shot of him skating into the corner where that little girl was who had the hand-scribbled sign that said, Flurry is my middle name. I asked him about that afterwards, if that was the first person he has encountered who had been named Flurry here in Pittsburgh. He said, I heard of a few dogs and cats, but apparently a <laughs> child never. <laughs> That's tremendous. Uh, yeah, the only issue I had with the sign, and I'm just being mean, is Maybe mom or dad could have helped. I had trouble reading it, Tim. I, I wasn't quite sure. You could see Flurry's head sort of tilt, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just being mean. But yeah, that was a really neat thing. And he was acknowledging her uh, and he had to have some fun with it. I, I think you're right. I think once he got here, he had to be feeling like, man, I wish I was going to be skating out the runway and, and lead my team onto the ice tonight and, and playing just for the chance to try and go up against these guys one more time. He is in the twilight of his career, as Seth over at your paper put it, the winter of his career. And um, that was a nice piece he wrote the other day that pretty much looked over the entire time uh, Marc-Andre Fleury spent coming into the league and being a first overall draft pick for the Pittsburgh Penguins. One knock I got to make, the Penguins' new television network, they, they didn't remember he was first overall in 2003. They had a graphic up showing he was selected first overall in 05 last night. So that was a little bit disappointing. But I, I do think he wishes he would have been able to play. And I guess if nothing else, he found a way to prank some former teammates. We all heard that he did something to Sidney Crosby, something to Evgeny Malkin. And he almost got Chris Letang fined by sending him onto the warm-up ice with the wrong helmet because he snuck into the Penguins' room and changed his helmet from black to white. Tanger didn't catch it, threw the white helmet on, and the equipment manager had to go over and stop him from exiting for warm-ups with the wrong helmet. And it would have gotten him a fine. You think Flurry would have covered it? Oh, no. Of no, course no, not. No, no. That would have been part of the prank. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, winter, is this going to be the winter of our discontent or the Penguins going to start playing better? Well, they've won three of four, so maybe they're finding it yeah. somewhat. But then again, we've been fooled before. 
I even wrote about it after that Montreal game. Was this the lightning bolt game that we keep thinking we're seeing, and then they go out and lost by a touchdown to Toronto? Well, we thought that the West Coast trip, which culminated with two big wins over Buffalo and Columbus when they got back to the East Coast, when they won those five in a row, we thought that was the turning point. We thought that the Tristan Jari empty net goal was going to be a galvanizing right. point for this team. Uh, and the every time you feel it, yeah, every time you feel it, Tim, it just it, it hasn't been the case. Now, three wins in four games by virtue of how they got them, meaning that the power play was finally productive. I think that even if they don't start to play better in terms of the all around defensive game, if they get some solid goaltending and can continue to be effective with the extra man, that might hide enough wards to get them back into the race. They are not too far removed from the wild card situation at this point. When you look at it as, as of the time we're recording, uh, the Penguins now, what, 34 points for Washington. They have 31. They are way down in the seventh spot, though, in the uh, wild card race uh, behind Montreal, Tampa, New Jersey, Detroit. So they have a number of teams to jump over, but a couple more wins would get them right back into the wild card situation. So maybe they are in that battle all season long. I think that's something that they'll be able to accomplish if that power play continues to produce as it has for the last week, which, man, it's, it, it certainly made that that drought seem a long way off in the rear view now, the way they've looked the past handful of games with the extra man. And I don't think there's going to be a trade at the deadline to really help them out this year because they're so lost on tradable assets and so tight against the cap. I, I don't know what you acquire for this team to help get them over a hump. It's going to have to come from within. And if there are any significant injuries moving forward, there's not that much more within. No, uh, I, I think the only thing that can help them here, Tim, is if you do see Brian Rust. He did get placed on long-term IR. He's not eligible to come back until January something. I forget the date now. But if he doesn't look like Rust is going to be able to be an effective player for you and he spends a lot of time on the injured, on the injured list, that gets you a little bit of uh, recovered money that maybe if they're contenders or in play for doing anything in terms of the playoffs, come trade deadline, that might give them a little bit of mobility in terms of making a deal. I don't know what pieces he'd want to move to make a deal happen. I mean, I, they don't want to give up a whole lot. Coming into this year's draft, you already have a, a draft pick that is involved technically in the Carlson situation. You do have a second rounder. You don't have a third rounder. The fourth rounder is there, no fifth. So they don't have a lot of draft pick uh, capital for this year. You don't have a whole lot of um, assets in terms of, of pieces that you want to move from your system because the ones that you have, you want to hold on to. So it, as you just mentioned, they will probably be looking at scraping the bottom of the barrel and making you know a, a smaller deal that maybe you can send out a, a third rounder or a fourth rounder from the following draft and have that be in play for a guy that can maybe slot into your bottom six. You're certainly not going to be a player for any huge fish. So I think that getting this roster healthy and seeing what you actually have with it would probably be the biggest parts of anything you're trying to do uh, in terms of having success this year. Maybe they sell out on Ryan Graves already and say, we haven't liked what we've seen, and maybe you find a way to, to ship him out because he takes a pretty nice price tag with him and would open up some cap space for you. Is that wise, or is there, you know, Gonchar, Paul Martin, Justin yeah. Schultz, you know, a guy that's a defenseman that comes to the new system and plays better once he gets his feet wet in a little bit more time? I keep trying to tell myself that's what's going on, that, you know, once he gets his feet under him and he 
is here for more than one year, it will come. I mean, we, you mentioned it. I mean, the two prime examples are Sergey Gonchar and Paul Martin. Both, I mean, Sarge ended up becoming one of the, the best defensemen in recent memory that the Penguins have had uh, that could play a two-way game after that first season. And I think that the same could be said for Paul Martin, maybe not to the extent of Sergey Gonchar. So maybe Ryan Graves does that. The thing that scares me a little bit um, is that you had a lot of the fan bases that he played in front of before pretty much snickering at the Penguins saying, oh, you thought you were getting player X because he's big and he can shut down in front of the net and he can chip in offensively and he can move the puck. And they pretty much say, well, you got one part right. He's big. That's about the only thing he does well is be big. Uh, and he doesn't do much else well. So are they wrong? Are they right? I guess the proof will be in the pudding at the end of this year uh, and moving into next because they are going to be married to him for quite a while. That's a, uh, a deal that goes through 28-29 at $4.5 million. It's a 5.4% of your cap being used there. And you got a no-movement clause on him, too. I don't remember exactly what teams are involved, how many teams are involved. I don't think it's a total no-movement, but you were willing to do that to get him. And so that alone probably keeps him in your uh, within your ranks for the foreseeable future. Last thing, Mets, before we go, Pustin, and what do you think of him? Um, I really like it so far. He, the thing that impresses me, Tim, is he doesn't seem to be overwhelmed at all playing with those star players. So many times we see a young guy come up and he's put in a situation where, first of all, he wouldn't be on the number one power play unit as Pustin has been. That's as big a part of their recent success as anything else because I think he distributes the puck very well. He's kind of uh, in that bumper role. He's moving the puck around. He's not shy about getting it to Sid, Gino, getting it to the point men, doing what he has to do in that regard. The first power play goal that the Penguins scored with him was when he fed Sidney Crosby down low on that nice little play to set Sid up to bang it to Jake for the one-time shot. So that's been very impressive. I was uh, really kind of shocked to see the way he worked that odd man advantage with Evgeny Malkin last night, not shy about freezing the goaltender and then kind of throwing a pass right into the wheelhouse of Gino. I, I, and it wasn't a forced pass. It was just the, the correct play in that moment. He had an empty net staring at him after he made the pass across. So he's been a, a very impressive player and it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere anytime soon. They waved some other guys to make room for the healthy players returning and posted and kept his role stays in the top six on that Geno line, stays on the number one power play. And as long as we aren't just seeing that rush of adrenaline carrying him through the first, you know, five, six games here, he looks like a guy that could be a player for them. Uh, Multi-points last night, points in three of five, I believe, to start his NHL career. That's pretty good. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Check him out during intermissions post-game as well as on Penns Live Weekly with Paul Steigerwald. So are you spending Christmas Eve with Steige then, Mets? Is that the case? Yeah, well, I spend all holidays with Paul Steigerwald, Tim. I mean, it's just how I roll. He's your elf on a uh, shelf. In a matter of fact, yeah, and you just never know where he's going to be the next morning. You know, you, you leave him in one spot. All of a sudden, you know, there's $5 missing from the, from the dresser. There's cookie crumbs. There's, you know, a, a, a dirty T-shirt laying in the corner. You don't know what the hell's going on. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network.